I'm excited to be talking with another guest this morning. Um, he is the owner and founder of uh, Energy Empire. Um, his name's Alan Ratray. How are you this morning, my friend? Good morning, Malachi. Um, yeah, it's a, we're not quite an empire yet. We're, we're an umpire. Oh, mistake number one. <laughs> one day, maybe, an empire. Just That's a great goal. It's a great goal, yeah. Um, Alan's based in Victoria in Australia. I'm based in Brisbane, Queensland, so we haven't physically met. Um, and even with the COVID uh, restrictions and lockdowns and stuff, we're still able to catch up on Zoom and stuff. So that's really good. Um, Alan has a basically a 40-year career, I think, in the energy industry. Um, and before we jump into the episode, uh, I'd just like the audience to um, get a quick, uh, just to get to know you a little bit better in a short amount of time called, uh, it's a segment called Five Fast Facts. So are you ready, Alan? Yep. Are you a coffee or a tea person? Well, both. Um, yeah, I have, have both every day. I haven't heard of that response before. Right, that's interesting. Both. Is it, um, do you have, is it like coffee in the morning and tea in the afternoon or is it just whatever you feel like? No, it's tea first thing. Right. Coffee, coffee uh, after, you know, after breakfast and then... Um, yeah, coffee after lunch. Interesting combo. It's um, a boring pack, isn't it? Is well, it's interesting. I've never heard of that one before. Usually, you know, if you're a coffee person, you're a coffee—not you, but just in general, people are coffee snobs, um, and they are very strict on what they drink with coffee. And then tea are kind of like just sort of lackadaisical, I guess. So that's interesting. That's I've never heard that combo before. Question yeah, number: two. Drink, drink quite a few varieties of tea as well. You know, oh, that green tea, black oh, yeah. tea. Are you, are you a T2 no. fan? Yeah, T2 make really good tea. Yeah. There we go. Uh, question number two. Did you grow up in a small or a big family? Well, three siblings. So um, I guess that makes it a big family by today's standards anyway. That's correct. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, question number three. Are you a cat or a dog person and why? Uh, dog... <clears throat> dog definitely really um okay. i don't mind cats but yeah i love dogs okay and why uh probably history i guess yep yeah my 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 um probably really came from my dad who 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 loved dogs and hated cats because they got out and ate birds and yep yeah well more, more, more they weren't yeah more of a pest versus a, yeah, a, fa well, a family yeah particularly in the wild when they get yeah when they get going in the wild there yeah yeah but yeah my son has two cats and so you know i'm i'm learning to live with cats that's a good compromise question number four so rate from one to three one being your favorite three being the least favorite tim tams vegemite bunning snag oh vegemite easily vegemite number one through and through is your favorite yeah yeah, and the other two are distant, <laughs> you know, daylight, and then the other two. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's interesting. Oh, we uh, we had another person say sort of the reverse, um, that I think she liked Tim Tams and Bunnings Snag equally the same, and then Vegemite was just not even on her radar. So you had the reverse there, so that's, <laughs> that's, that's an interesting point. Uh, last question, do you prefer using Apple products or Android? Apple. Apple. Yep. Very common response. 
yeah, no, that makes sense. Thanks, though, yeah. mate. Good to get to know you a little bit better. Um, so, like I was saying before, Alan, he's a fa- the founder of uh, Energy Umpire um, and has been involved in the energy industry for in Australia for over 40 years. Um, and so before this, you were a farmer in rural Victoria, which I'm really interested to go more deeper into and understand a little bit more of that. Um, but uh, in our questions, where, where were you born and what did your parents do for a living? I was born in Melbourne and um, I guess I, my parents were, were pretty unique. Well, unique, I guess, in a way, in that they're both dentists. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and in fact, they were the, the first the first dentist to graduate with master's degree from Melbourne University or in the group that was the wow. first. So, so they, were, they were business owners as well? So they sort of ran their own dentistry practice, I think, is that what it's called? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and um, yeah, I mean, prior to that, the industry was a was a um, not so much a professional occupation. You know, it was it, it became professionalised at about the time that they were. You know, the, the course that they did was one of the early professional university um, uh, courses that was available for <clears throat> for dentistry. Prior to that, it was you know really people improvising. You know, people might be a chemist and learn how to pull out teeth or <laughs> wow okay Interesting. <clears throat> so is it so is it safe to say that you didn't grow up with lollies that's right <laughs> <laughs> absolutely <laughs> just the odd treat that was it <clears throat> that's no sugar in in your household growing up that 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 would make sense <laughs> yeah uh yeah, very little it, yeah what what's one thing you struggled with at school and one thing you really excelled at uh, probably I struggled most with, um, with English, wow. interestingly. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, I wasn't terrible at it, but I just, yeah, didn't shoot the lights out with English. Um, and probably the best things that I, the, the things I was best at were, were maths and sciences. Right. Yep. Mm. And I suspect uh, the maths and sciences helped you in your decision to study engineering, perhaps? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, right. Um, so where, what, <clears throat> I guess I'm just trying to get a bit of an origin story and in my mind, um, map map that journey before we actually get into Energy Umpire. Um what, uh, so you, you basically grew up in Melbourne. Where, where did the farming aspect come into it? I guess I'm sort of jumping ahead here, well, but I'm interested to know about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I suppose I've been sort of city rural pretty much all my life um, because my dad bought a farm when we were, when I was about five. Right. And I've really had an association with farming ever since and initially sort of, so we were Melbourne based, so it's sort of city farmers, I guess. Um, and and that sort of continued, that continued until a couple of years ago, a few years ago now. Right. So yeah, I bought my own farm um, when I was about 40. Okay. And um, yeah, so, and then I just sold that a, a few years ago. So when you say city farmers, you lived in the city, but you owned a farm and you traveled 
out there periodically to maintain it? That's right. Yeah. Wow. Is, is that is that a common is that sort of a common path? I guess you could say, or um, maybe a non more non traditional approach to farming. Um. Yeah, I suppose I don't know that it's all that common, but yeah, I guess there's you know we weren't Robinson Crusoe. There are other people doing it. Right. Okay. So, so what, what you know, sort of, yeah, it, it sort of might sound like you're not real farmers, but you know, I think I think we were real farmers. Oh, 100 percent. Oh no, I love, yeah, I love. Yeah, get out, and do, get out and do fencing. Get out and um, get out, get out after the cattle, and do, you know, fix the fix the water supply, and yeah, just all the things that happen on the farm. Oh, yeah. No, I got you, mate. I 100 percent. And I, yeah. I, I actually love that thought process around, even though you did live in the city, you still had um an influence from a rural aspect or with regards to farming right which you know something i kind of believe yeah, in well, is yeah like it's I, th I think it's a great combo right um i spent a bit of time living in samoa growing up which is a third world country right so then you come to australia and you you just i guess see through see things through different eyes so 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 i love what you're saying yeah. that you had that combo right it was um yeah, you do see through things through different eyes um, because you you know what people around you in the country think and what people around you in the city think and and they've got they've got further and further apart, frankly. Right. Oh, okay. So the 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 um, what do you what do you mean by got further apart? Like the well, I think you know when when um, when I when I was younger that most people in the city had some sort of rural connection. So they had, you know, they had an uncle or they came or their parents came from a farm or because there's been this sort of great rural urban migration, most people would have been, had a lot of connection with farming in some way. They had an uncle or a friend of the families or someone whose farm they go and visit and, you know, maybe stay there for a few weeks or yep. go there for holidays or whatever. And so there was a lot more, connection between farming and the city then than there is now so i think now we just have a real misunderstanding in the, in the city about what you know what rural life's all about basically yeah 100 percent. yeah and no. maybe a bit vice versa as well so i missed that part sorry maybe a bit vice versa as well yeah 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 no that's that's a that's a that's a good point actually um so you so you had you had exposure to both lifestyles i guess um and what what made you um after your engineering degree i guess what 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 was your first what was your first job paying job as after you studied as an engineer all right so i went to um i went to north america and i worked for a uh, a mining company. Oh wow! Yeah, a nickel mining company in um, in Oregon. Interesting. And uh, and then I, my next job was in Canada, working also for a nickel uh, nickel processing company. Okay. What um, what 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 was your role in terms of the operation? Well, well, it, in um, Oregon, I was a I was a plant engineer, so yep. just looking at the plant processes and trying to see things that could be improved. Yep. 
um, you know, using my engineering knowledge, I guess. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and in Canada, it was more of a laboratory scenario where it was, you know, more about modeling things actually, more about modeling plant processes and and relationships and things like that. Okay. Yeah. How um how long were you overseas before you came back to Australia? No one's asked me about those things for years. <laughs> I haven't and, even thought about it. <laughs> and none of these things are scripted too. I just, as you're asking questions, I'm thinking, oh, this is interesting. Let's go down this path. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what was the last one? Yeah, yeah. How, how long were you away from Australia, I guess, before you came before you came back? So you, so you studied engineering, got, got a couple of jobs overseas, and then what happened after that? Well, I spent um, three years in North America and then... Um, then did the what was then pretty much obligatory overland trip through uh, through Europe and um, uh, got as far as Iran and then um, came home. Oh wow! Yeah, right. And after that was um, when I did the master's degree in sociology. So talk to me about that. That's I when I was looking at your LinkedIn profile, I thought it was very interesting that. Um, you could argue sort of your engineering lane, like maths and science, like you're talking entire brain was looking at that. And then you've just done a master's in sociology. Like what, yeah, talk to me about how that sort of journey came about and the decision to start that, I guess. Um, yeah, I suppose I just decided I didn't really want to be an engineer working in a remote, um, a remote like location for a big, you know, for a big mining company. And Interesting. That I really wanted to do something with more of a human focus. Interesting. Um, and maybe there's maybe there's a little bit of unfinished business with um, with uh, humanities, you know, that I hadn't really. I, I really wanted to master it. In in what way? What do you, what do you mean by? Well, you, I mean, you know, like the. I sort of said I struggle a bit with English and expression and so sure. on, and then. Sure. And then, um, so I really wanted to, to to get on top of that. Interesting. Okay. Which so, I, I think I did. That's that's awesome. That so you came, so came back to Australia and then studied the um, masters of sociology. Yeah, and I think if if you think about that time, I mean, I don't, maybe maybe you can't think about that time because you're not old enough. But you know, it was a. It was a time of sort of where youth were um, very rebellious, if you like. Wow. And sort of wanting to chart a different path from their parents, you know, wanting to be, um, you know, there's a lot of student protests and there was the Vietnam War and, and you know, there was a new sort of attitude to how you lived. Interesting. And I suppose I was, you know, I was part of that, really. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe doing the sociology was also part of that. That's I love that. That's that, that's amazing to think that. Um, I think about some of the student processes. If you if you like now, in modern day society, I think some and and sometimes the commentary around, you know, an older generation. If you like, like baby boomers or the lost generation, sometimes they get a bit of a reputation for um, not understanding the younger generation. But then I love what you just explained. You think about when you were a youth, like you did all these things, right? Um, and and that, I mean, we could we, we could take that conversation way off track 
talking about that that era because I'm very interested in it. Um, but what's so I guess just again in my mind that origin story. How did you then? I guess what was the start of of your journey in the energy industry? Because you've had about 30, 40 years experience. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, after um, yeah, after graduating in, um, I sort of had this historical pattern in my career of continuing to take new directions. <laughs> um, although I guess with energy, that's maybe not not quite so true. But sounds like you're um, a Gen Z. You're like a millennial, but just was around forty <laughs> years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I'm like, you know, I wouldn't mind um, being twenty again. But um, yeah, the what was what were we just talking about? Oh, I asked about um, I think how, I asked did, how did you start? How did the journey start? Energy career. Yeah. Also, oh, then I went into um, transport after after um, graduating because I was looking for a job that got me into public sector planning yep. sort of role and and so. In, in a way, I, 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 start, I started off more of the sociology end of my of what I what I did, and as I worked in transport for a few years, I tended to migrate back to my engineering a bit. In that I used a lot of the skills that I developed in engineering, yeah, the quantitative skills and stuff like that. Yeah, so I worked for um, uh, the the um, Commonwealth Bureau of Roads and then for Australian Railway Research and Development Organisation. And then uh, after that was when I got into energy. Interesting. Just, I'm just pulling up your um, LinkedIn profile here as well, so I can see that. Um, okay. So, no, back that oh yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I, I did a bit of research before I saw the companies that were on there. So I've got a bit of an idea. Um, so there was, I mean, I think you and I spoke about this briefly, but you did mention something about the snowy mountains. Um, I think there's a hydropower station there at the moment. And now there's like a big expansion, obviously, but I think you were saying, this is a conversation that we had a while back that you had some involvement in, um, spearheading, if you like, or campaigning to have that, that, um, power station there. So do you want to maybe talk about that, that journey on how that, how it started, how it came together, and how it sort of was executed. Yeah, we've got to jump quite a few years for that one. Oh, um, that's fine. Um, so in um, was it about two thousand and six. Uh, I got an invitation from uh, the federal government. Actually, you know, like a, an invitation from the from the prime minister, which I guess you'd get wow. not to refuse. Um, to join a join a, an expert panel, so basically a one of these you know one of these reports that, that that goes to government on things on changes that need to be made in the in the national market because the, the electricity market had been introduced in in uh, 1992, and it was you know quite a, it was like 14 years later and and. They really wanted to have another look at how things were going and what changes were now needed. And so um, me and three others were invited to join an expert group to 
provide a report to government on that. Yep. Um, and one of the one of the changes that um, basically I was instrumental in bringing in was that was that Snowy Hydro. It's a bit technical, this, but sure. yeah. um, Snowy Hydro had its, had its own region. So in the national electricity market, there's a Victorian region, there's a South Australian region, there's a New South Wales region and a Queensland region. So there's also a snowy region, which basically sort of held snowy into its own, these regions are where prices are set, it's where the wholesale prices are set. Wow. So this all gets a bit technical, but um, what I proposed was that that be, that region be removed as a region and that snowy just be part of the New South Wales and the Victorian region because it joins both. And what this did was um, make snowy a lot less constrained in the way it operated because operating within a region it had this, it couldn't really contract with parties in New South Wales or Victoria because it was bound by, it, it only received the price in its own region. Yep. So it, it was just a, it sort of really constrained their operation as a business. Yeah. And it was really not good for the country because it meant that this huge asset that owned, you know, owned by the people essentially was yeah. being um, limit, limited in how it could behave commercially. Interesting. So yeah, it's a big technical. Yeah. Um, that's all good. No, so that's, one of the, that's fine. Yeah. One of the other things that um, came out of that, which was, I think as important was was introducing uh, converting the gas market into a proper market, bringing it under the umbrella of the national electricity market, having a gas market in the same organisation. Um, so I think that you know that had a lot of a lot of impact as well. Interesting. What what was it before that? What, were they two separate entities? Sounds well, like gas, was, gas was the gas market. There was a gas market, but it was largely just run by the industry. Okay. And so that really meant that the industry had all their vested interests. And so they were, um, they were only really interested in doing things in the market that helped them. Benefited them, basically. I gotcha. Yeah. Could, you, could you say yeah. it was unregulated? Sorry? Could you say it was unregulated? Which is maybe partly yeah, why, gotcha. Which is why the government yeah, brought, yeah. It, brought it in under their wing. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 So it all, it's all sort of fairly technical and remote from, um, you know, everyday understanding, but, but pretty important stuff behind the scenes. Yeah. No, 100%. I mean, that's why I ask these questions is because, I mean, you know, part of the reason why you and I met was um, I had a bit of an interest in it. Your, your actual, you know, your values of your business, but also how your business works. And for me, like some of the things we were talking about, and I was just thinking about it myself, I honestly do not have any awareness of how any of the energy market comes together or, you know, what, how I pay for my electricity, right? And quite frankly, for me, I could be just speaking about one person. I don't really care. It's more about, am I, is my, like, you know, being a typical like Gen, Gen Y and a millennial, I just want to know that my electricity turns on and at a sort of, at a fairly, you know, reasonable price. Right. Um, and so anyway, that's the reason I asked is because I think you can educate people and bring more awareness, not only to the process, but make, 
make it a bit more, um, I guess you could say, uh, explain it in a way that people maybe would understand if they were looking for the for those options. So, um, so I guess, <clears throat> yeah, so you can go as, so anyway, what I'm trying to say is you can go as technical as you want. <laughs> um, but what's, to, yeah, but, to, but maybe, maybe to bring it back to something a bit more tangible for people sort of yeah. in terms of what you said. Yep. So there's, there's a wholesale market, Yep. which is, which is where electricity gets dispatched yep. and also contracted. So, so there's a price that's set actually every five minutes, there's a price set in the, um, in the spot market in each of the regions. So in New South Wales, Victoria, South Australia, et cetera. And so that's the, and then the, around that spot market is a contract market, but that's all called the wholesale market. And then there's network businesses which carry the electricity around. And then there's um, suppliers who deliver it to customers, who don't actually deliver it to customers, who sell it to customers. So there's really those three parts of the industry, you know, wholesale market, network businesses, and end providers. Interesting. Yeah. That, I've got so many questions. Um, I didn't want to interrupt your flow though, because <laughs> that made a lot of sense. So the thing that jumped out to me though, so the third party in that example that you used, which is the energy provider, I think is what you said. Mm. they don't necessarily uh, bid for the price or they don't deliver it. They're just, the, they're just the, the business face that people are familiar with, right? Yeah, their, their role is just financial, basically. Interesting. They, they, don't, they don't have anything to do with um, electrons. Yeah, yeah. I, it's, I didn't know that. That's, I think that's fascinating. Um, and so, in, you know, in your... Um, in your ex, you know, you've got 40 years experience in the industry. What drives some of, so the third example that you use are the energy providers. What is the value they bring? Like what drives their, their product for, for consumers, I guess. Well, I do, I, I do. I mean, at a, at one level, I, they, they do billing. So they deal with all the, um, they take the money from you and they yep. pay and they pay other people in the wholesale market for the energy that you've used. Yep. The second big thing they do is they manage risk. So because the wholesale market is setting price every five minutes, it's very volatile. Place. Wow. Wow. So they they manage the risk of that and deliver mostly just a fixed price to you. So you pay you know, I don't know, dollar a day and, and um, you know, 20 cents a kilowatt hour for your electricity. And they have to manage to deliver that to you at that, at that price by putting contracts in place and so on. There's really those two things they do. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Um, this so interesting. So this, so this, the, I think you said it's the spot, the spot price that changes every five minutes. Yeah. What's, what is the driver behind that? Like, yeah, that just blows my mind. Like what, 
what is what is what what is the driver behind that changing every five minutes? Well, it's, it's really um, yeah, because electricity is a, a really weird thing in that it it has to be it, it, there's no storage essentially in you know once electricity is generated it has to go somewhere right so you really have to match supply and demand almost exactly instant, down to the instant, instant, instantaneously basically. Yeah, down to the sec, you know, down to the second. Wow. Wow. Because if you don't, then the yeah, the system can become unstable. Gotcha. Yeah, so that's why the price the price varies on a five minute basis because it's saying, well, we need we need more energy than we than we need more electricity than we thought yep. five minutes ago. Yep. <clears throat> in the next five minutes. Who can provide that? And if the person that's providing that, yeah. <clears throat> um, if there's only one of them, then they're going to bid the price up. Wow, gotcha. The um, talk to me about the energy suppliers. So, what, so you're saying that, it, I, from what I understood, there's different regions. But are there? How, how does it sort of work? I guess either per region or from the source to the the five minute change in the in the spot price well what's what's the process there like um are there is there one main government entity and they distribute that to different companies or talk to me about that sort of process how does it get from generating electricity to the five minute like spot price change oh okay so there's a that's where the um the aemo which is the australian energy market operator that operate both the gas and electricity market they they run the spot market. Gotcha. So they accept they accept offers from generators, and then they decide who will be given instructions to dispatch. So they give instructions to you know these generators. You're on. Yep. You're on, and this is this is where we want you to be. Interesting. Because but in order to get dispatched, they they're dependent on the bids that they make. Yes. Yep. So the offers they make, I guess, rather than bids. So they make offers and then if they're accepted by EMO, then they get dispatched. Got you. And that's getting, getting changed, you know, potentially every five minutes. Although, of course, it's, it may not be much change from one five minutes to the next, of course. Yeah, got you. Yeah. yeah. What's the... um. There's again so many questions, and I want to go in so many directions. So we spoke about the energy. That I just remember the three categories. So you might be able to remind me what they were. But I think the third one was the energy supplier, and then the second one yeah. was the distributor. Sorry, I think you said, and then the first one was the generator, if you like. Um, yeah. What's so the network, the distributor? I guess what's what's their so obviously they're they're distributing the power so to speak are they so that it sounds like they're mainly dictated by the five minute um spot price change and they're just dictated mm -hmm. to based off okay deliver the energy here <laughs> well they, they have a if you, if you imagine this is like a a network with a you know like a water supply or something like that yeah a whole lot of taps off yep then they just they're just the pipes yep so when the taps get turned on, the water flows down the pipes. They don't have much to do with the water. 
Yep. Yep. Just, they just run the pipes and they need to make sure that <clears throat> there's enough pipes to get the water to where it's got to go or to get the electricity to where it's got to go. So they, they manage the wires and the transformers and the switching stations and so on to get the, the um, electricity to where it has to go. Yep. And so, and their, their biggest risk is probably maintenance, I guess, and the reliability of their infrastructure. Well, yes, they have, they have a reliability risk. Yeah. 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 Um, but their main job is to, is to keep their um, network able to deliver the, the, the power that is demanded, I guess. Yep. Gotcha. Mm. So, so fascinating, so many more questions, but I guess to, to summarize, to bring it back into uh, the energy umpire vision, if you like, um, in a nutshell, you, the, the company provides a, a service where you are, you are able to uh, provide consumers or customers with um, a, a better packaged option on a month to month basis. Um, so given, you know, sort of the technical journey that we've just been on, are you able to speak a little bit into, um, maybe just start with the product first and then I wanna hear a little bit about the origin story on like how you decided, oh, okay, this is something that I'm gonna pursue. Yeah, well, <clears throat> you mind if I do it the other way around? Yeah, I, I, as I was saying it, I realized that's a bit back to front. Yeah, good good question. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, having, Having sort of having been around and, and involved in the design of the wholesale market and, and in the breakup of the the SEC and involved in the development of the national market, I guess I had quite a bit of history as to <clears throat> as to how things how things evolved and why they evolved. And I think that the one thing that was the national market, I think in general, has held up really well to, you know, for events that have happened since. There's a few new things happening now with renewables that mean there's some tweaking needed, but I don't think wholesale change is needed in the wholesale market. It's stood up pretty well. Um, but I think what, there's a couple of areas that have kind of haven't stood up as well. And I think the, the retail market or the, the provider market, the end part of the market. The category number three proven, you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, the category number three. Yeah, yep. the the energy, the person you deal with, the AGL, the Origin, the the Energy Australia that you get your electricity, you buy your electricity from. That part of the market hasn't worked well. Interesting. Um, and the the reason for that was I think we we sort of believe that that competition would solve all problems, and that because there was competing, you know, because the there was high level of competition in the end market that that would drive margins down. And basically it hasn't, it hasn't driven markets down. Um, it hasn't driven prices down because they found that people were not really, you know, they're a bit passive and it was all too hard and they didn't really understand it. And, 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 so sure, some people were on the ball and 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 were able to work out the the best price and did it regularly, but most people just, you know, got on with their life doing other things and weren't that interested and, yep, 
And the result of that was that we had sort of a, a really exploitative environment set up where basically the longer you were with a provider, the more they ripped you off. Wow. Wow. We also had, we're also, um, because there's such high levels of switching, like around 20% of customers switch every year. Wow. So, you know, if you say there's 8 million, 8 million customers in the national market, then that means 1.6 million of them are switching providers every year. Yep. So in order for the big, in order for the big boys to get, to get customers, they had to have some mechanism to get them because, um, and so these comparison services have, have um, grown up, which were are basically parasitic because they compare only, they're effectively acting for the, for the provider, not for the customer. Yes. They're just yep. comparing, comparing their mates or their, the people I have arrangements with and they switch you, they don't really care whether you get a good deal or a bad deal because they get paid when you switch. Gotcha. Um, they, they get the kickback from the provider. I'm not saying they always give you a bad deal, but yeah, yeah. they don't care. I, I gotcha. Yeah. There's no real yeah. incentive so like, to, well, how would a consumer know what the cheaper option is? Like you said, generally speaking, it's a bit of a unknown thing that people don't really you know they just trust the company as i guess you yeah, say. So, it's a bit of a lower priority so um i get what you're saying yeah yeah so the companies like i select make it cheaper um uh, finder canstar yep you know they're just they're just basically spruikers for the providers and they get paid when you switch through them or yep. real estate agents or all the moving companies it's it's all it's basically all a scam. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, not to put too fine a point on it. Yeah. And the other thing, the other thing that's been lost that's maybe even more important for the industry. I mean, that part's really important for consumers. But what's also been lost is that there's no one with an incentive to um, to, to to change to change the way customers behave. So there's no one with an incentive to um, uh, to deal with the longer term problems that the industry has, like you know the management of solar panels, the management of batteries in homes, the manager, management of electric vehicles, and so on, <clears throat> because the <clears throat> the <clears throat> the end provider <clears throat> just has a transactional relationship with customers. They just they don't have any ownership of them because they have to be able to switch to someone else so that they're not, they can't, so that they're not interested in investing in, in customers, if you like. Gotcha. Yeah. So for those two reasons, it sounds, it sounds more complicated than it really is. So firstly, customers are getting ripped off. Secondly, <clears throat> there's the reforms that are needed in, in, the way tariffs are designed aren't getting done because of the way the industry is structured. For those two reasons, I think that part of the um, the reform package in the early 90s is, has failed in that area. So that's really why I set up Energy Empire. Yep. Um, because we wanted to simplify the process where a customer could get um, the cheapest price. Um, we're still trying to figure out how to participate in the reform part of it, but yeah, how, how they can get this cheapest prop in 
in a simple way. Yep. Yeah. So. Yep. <clears throat> no, thank, thanks for explaining that. That's again, it's just it blows my mind. It's fascinating. So many questions. Uh, so the service that Energy Empire provides is a month-to-month -month subscription, and the company reviews all the providers basically. Um, and then suggests to the, 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 the person who's subscribed, if you like, to switch based off a cheaper rate for them. Is that in a nutshell, the, the explanation of this? Yeah, that's in a nutshell, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, we have, we have two levels of service. We have a service where we set up your account at the start and then send you regular updates on what, who the cheapest provider is. Yep. Uh, and then the second level of service where we analyze every bill for you and make and essentially do more of the work for you if you like gotcha by analyzing every bill and giving a savings report and so then you know yes I'll, I'll switch to this other provider i'm going to save a hundred dollars because you may not be interested in switching if you're only saving you know twenty dollars yeah yep mm. yep interesting no i gotcha so and, oh, we, and we we also automate all that so that yeah um, we provide the customer with a with a um with a an email that they use to get their bills and so then we get the bill at the same time as the customer gets the bill real time yeah yeah okay now i gotcha now there's <clears throat> there's so much more i want to talk about but um yeah, I think we'll leave it for another episode. Thanks so much for joining me, mate. And uh, obviously just sharing a little bit of your own personal origin story on um, how you got involved in the industry. And then also, you know, your your vast experience in in, in setting up um, obviously your own business and, and then, you know, the values of, you know, your business and what you're trying to drive there. So I really appreciate um, your time, mate. And I uh, look forward to catching up on another session where we can go deeper in some of those um, technical matters that you're talking about. <laughs> Great. All right. No, I enjoyed it too, Malky. So it's, uh, yeah, you, you, you probed a few areas I, I, I'd forgotten all about just about. <laughs> and I, I was a bit sneaky too. I didn't put them on the, this is usually how it works is I just think of stuff as we're going and I didn't put on the, um, the sheet. So uh, might have caught you off guard there, but um, thank you, mate. All the best and we'll uh, chat to you again soon. Okay. Thanks, man. Thanks, Malky. See Bye. You.